Okay, so it's April 26th. 2021 and I was able to read something really good today um I felt like it was really good because I thought that they were able to illustrate the words grace and mercy in such an important kind of impactful way that I really felt like I could I could really identify it because I was going through those same feelings yesterday um about a situation I'm in so basically it says um in this Um, It's like page 25 in Leaning on Jesus by Michelle Wilson. And basically it's like, I've heard it said that justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. So basically saying mercy is not getting what we deserve, but like it's being given to us nicely, like politely and kindly as like, just like that overly generous kind of a way. So that's what mercy is, is being over generous. And then grace is getting what we don't deserve. So like even further, right? Like, like justice is one level, then mercy is like next. And then grace is like even beyond. Right. And then, um, you know, it just talks about how much Jesus gives us. And, and I just love the way that she describes it. It says on page 26, then it's like, there's nothing we can do to merit what he has done for and given us. And yet he gives so much. In reality, he has given us all that we have. If not for his atonement, we would have nothing in our lives but pain, misery, failed relationships, etc. She goes on. It sounds grim because it is. He literally, he has literally saved you and me. And there is nothing we can do to repay him or merit what he's done. He's simply done it out of love. Even though we are unprofitable and undeserving, the Savior gives us what we need to survive in this life and also to thrive. I'm not talking about new cars or debt-free miracles. Jesus doesn't care about the cleanliness of our microwaves, the cuteness of our clothes. He cares about the condition of our hearts and our souls. He cares about our level of progression, love, and joy. He's done literally all he can, sacrificing self and soul, to provide a way for us to come to close to him and our Father and have joy in the quest for perfection. Not perfection in the sense of doing all things perfectly, but perfection in the eternal meaning of perfection, which is to be in his presence and be like him in the perfect place here and hereafter. So anyways, I thought that was epic, like beyond epic. And and I was like kind of tearing up as I was reading the first part of that, that part, because those are some similar feelings I was feeling yesterday. I was like trying to do all I could to be servicing and like mindful and all of these things because it was my anniversary and stuff. So of course I have that on my mind. And then it just got to a point two hours in where I was just kind of feeling burnt out. And I was like, I just had to have a straight one-on-one conversation with this person that I have an anniversary with. And I was just like, so like, we never really talked about what we wanted to do for our anniversary or like what we wanted or like any of that kind of thing. And like now knowing quite clearly that we, we have like, gift giving is not a symbol of our relationship together and our our symbol of our dating kind of a you know like our relationship routines and so we know that so in some ways it's good because the pressure is off but at the same time it's not in the sense that it's it's not easy to check off that yes we celebrated our anniversary and yes we did something for it for example kind of thing right because like all of the other things like his love language is qual is service mine is quality time like none of those things are like picture worthy type things right and nor, nor is it like Facebook life worthy as like a joke that I said, right? And then, and then what I realized is like, we're just, we just are who we are. And, and I guess the reason why I was getting so tizzied out a little was because of this whole idea I had, like, you know, like I just feel so humbled to be who I am as this person's 
person, right? To have an anniversary with, right? And it was just all these feelings of like, I feel so unprofitable. You know, like I, in some ways, I kind of feel like a useless partner in, in one respect. One, because I'm kind of a mess, right? Like, and I always have been, and I've always kind of been slightly a little bit like the liability in the relationship just to, with so many of my weaknesses, you know? And then the other part is like, I feel so useless because like, you know, like I recognize that his, you know, some of his top love languages are service, for example, or um, touch and like, what, words of affirmation? And, and like quality time and, you know, like, like the biggest is quality time. The next is, sorry, the biggest is service right now. And the next is quality time and all of these things. And like, you know, I try to find targets and things like that. But like, at the end of the day, I just have a whole bunch of tears. Not about our relationship, but about the level in which I want to be able to give to him as my other person, right? In our relationship together. I feel such a lack in my capacity, um, in my like abilities, in my skills to be a really good partner, right? Like a really good one. And like, I might be like loving and kind and those kinds of things, but it just really hurts my heart that I literally don't have excellent homemaking skills, for example. Like, you know, like it was describing what a service-oriented person looks for in receiving love. And I literally just wanted to ball my eyes out because it's just like, oh, there's, there's nothing more helpful for somebody that like receives, like that, that receives love through service than hearing, seeing like a vacuumed floor. And I just like, it, it was good. Like it was good and eye-opening to see that. And at the same time, it was so incredibly daunting to be like, I can't do that every second of the day. You know, like, I, I love being able to have targets. You know, this is like the me, me perspective of a relationship. Like, like, wouldn't it be nice to be, to have that convenient relationship where basically you share the same love languages or something, or you have so many things in common that basically anything you want to do in the day is pretty well a target to hit their, their life anyways, right? You know, like, if only, you know, like, me just creating podcasts or something like that suddenly hits his targets or whatever. Or if only like me making a bunch of ice cream balls or something like all multicolored and like really fun would hit his targets, right? But it's like his biggest priority in life isn't fun. His biggest priority in life isn't like um, having this like playlist of me speaking about stuff. You know, like that's not him, right? Like that's me. Right? So it's like, I'm not married to myself, right? Like, and I have to be honest about that. It's like, and I don't want to be married to myself, right? So it's like, okay. So there's a difference between like a relationship with myself and then a relationship with my spouse, right? And so now knowing that his like love language is service, like I've been working my tail off like yesterday and today. It's been good, you know, like we've been, we've had some pretty clean floors going on here. We've had some like, thankfully, like before going to bed last, the day before we took this little love language quiz, like we did do all the vacuuming. So that kind of like showed as a symbol of like, well, yeah, like, of course we want to do that, right? And I guess like ever since the beginning of the marriage, it always felt like, oh yeah, like this is a big thing to be able to like, 
really help this other person to be able to feel that level of peace and like reassurance in their lives like when their house is in order and that I have a big influence in the order of the house and so I understood that like intellectually and like you know ambitiously even and like quite honestly like I've said before it's taken me 12 years to even get to a point to commit to like one room uh, a, a week right like because I would teeter back and forth with being like oh yeah let's just do deep cleaning every day you know, let's clean every speck of the of the dirt, uh, like, in our living situation every single day. And then I'd be crying my tears out every day, being like, well, how come we were only able to do, like, half a room? Like, what was, what was going on? Like, am I really that lazy? Like, am I really that, like, just not put together, like, not, like, like, where's my act together kind of abilities? And so it was just very, like, discouraging every time. And then finally, you know, 12 years in, it's like, okay, well, how about let's just focus on one room a day, right? Let's not even try to do the whole house, right? And then so it's like, okay, this is my one room. And so it's like, okay, so today's the back room. Let's do that. Like, that's awesome. And then, you know, like, as I, as I go through that, I'm realizing it's like, okay, but honestly, though, like, yes, it's helpful to do one room, and it doesn't help if the floors are completely a mess and the dishes aren't done and all of the clothes aren't aren't ready right like it's like as if that that one room didn't happen because there's so much stress being built up from stepping on things and from not having clothes that you need and from being hungry because there's no dishes to use because of that so then it's like okay well then i have to be honest about that too it's like okay so morning routine, for example, works for me, where it's like I do the dishes, you know, I do the floor thing, and it works really well for me to do the laundry kind of at night, for example, um, and like throughout the day, like it's one of those nice in-between kind of things. So basically, you know, I do floors when I'm kind of with children, doing the children thing, I do the floors. I do the dishes, try to like do a blitz of it in the morning, and then I do like the laundry thing like throughout the day too, like in between transitions. So that's really helpful, right? Um, so that's really good. And I think the other part of it though is it's not really like about the relationship. It's like me learning how to be a servicing person for even me, right? Because like I think I've laid that aside. It's like. I don't even know how to stretch even further to, to, to match up to somebody else's target of service because I've never really committed to what I really want in serving myself, right? Like if my love language was service, which it has been for a long time, I don't know how quality time showed up for me as my top this time, but it did. You know, in the same way that words of affirmation was his for a long time, but suddenly today, like that day, it showed up as service. So anyways, like because service is one of my big things, it's like I have yet to have learned how to develop the skills enough to even serve myself, right? It's like I barely know how to create a space that I enjoy to live in, right? Like whether it's to create the space myself with the lack of skills that I have or whether it's to uh, like be so financially um, skilled and like literate, to, to then be able to have all the resources available that I literally am wanting to use at, for, at all access um, to be able to, to create the kind of room that I want, right? 
And so then, that, like, then that, that's when the tears come. When it's just like, I feel like such a loser because, you know, I'm 32 years old almost, and I still have yet to develop those skills, and I still have, I'm still not there. You know, like, I'm really not winning in those areas. But at the same time, you know, if I were to just go straight Heavenly Father perspective about it all, like, what would he actually think, right? And I, that's going back to that quote that I read this morning about leaning on Jesus. And it's like, does he really care about those things? Like, does he care about how good I am at this, that, or the other? Or does he actually just care about my heart and my heart's intent and my heart's desires and like, you know, like, and, and those kinds of things, right? And when I'm honest about it, well, it's like a no-brainer. Well, of course he doesn't care where I'm at right now. You know, like, because he's with me for eternity. He's my eternal life coach. And so because he's my eternal life coach, of course he has perspective. And he knows that I'm at a certain level right now. And he can still work with me because I have a willing heart and a humble heart ready to learn, right? So sometimes I put myself into this place where I make up this idea that I'm like a lost soul. And I'm just like totally a mess. And there's like no way that I can like figure out my life. But at the same time, it's like, no, but the actual truth is I'm not a lost soul. I have a humble heart. I'm willing to try and learn. It's just super frustrating and embarrassing, though, because sometimes I just really don't want to be here. Sometimes I really just want to be a grandma who knows how to do everything. Like, I really just don't want to be where I am. And, like, that's kind of been the story of my life. I was, like, a mature soul from the time I was little. So it's like when I was four, I wanted to be 14. When I was nine, I wanted to be 19. You know, like when I was 21, I wanted to be 31 or like 41 or 51, right? Like I always lived like 10 years older than I was or 20 years older than I was. And it wasn't helpful. Thankfully, when I went to EFY, that was the first time I ever started trying to backtrack and retrain my brain and my heart to really accept myself for who I was and the age that I actually was. Because he was like, one of the speakers was basically saying, you know, if you're 13, be 13, right? If you're 14, be 14. If you're 15, be 15, right? Like, you will never get to be that age ever again, right? It's like, yes, we have eternity, but once you get to that 18 kind of mark, you don't get to reverse that. Like, once you get to 18, it's kind of the same for eternity, right? Like, and I was just like, when I saw that, I was like, yeah. So like now's the time to do 31, right? Like now's the time. Like it, and even I was jumping ahead, being like, oh yeah, I'm 32 already, right? Like, but I have like a month. Like, yeah, like I have more than a month. Like today's the 26th, so 27. Tw- tomorrow I have a month. So then I have to think to myself, like, what am I gonna do to celebrate being 31 for one more month, right? Rather than constantly stretching myself to be like, I wish I was this, I wish I was that, and like all of these feelings, right? Like how could I be celebrating being 31, right? And like not just being 31, but like seriously, I just survived like pandemic, parent life, and like just like, you know, finding patience, pandemic, parent life, and like finding peace, and finding just like perspective, and planning and preparing and like being present and you know it's all these peas for example I don't know why but I'm really excited today there's this David Bowman video that I love watching whenever I can get there and, and I heard that there's this part that he talks about glorifying because that's my word of the year so I'm so excited to check that out that's gonna be so much fun for me 
Because honestly, I love it. Like when I was little, I was all about the shows. I just was. That was all I ever spent time doing. And so my favorites were like Dr. Dress Up because he had all the puppets and I'd and like other people that did like Sesame Street people that did all the voices and like, you know, I just loved it all. I just thought like all of those shows that like really engaged kids like Luna the Clown and like there was this other one where they would like pretend to be outside and they would sing songs and then they would do like Nicky Nicky Nine Doors uh, like against people's like houses. And it was just like really silly and fun. And I used to pretend that I was like this clown because she would always pretend that she was on a clock and she was like the hands of a clock. And so I would do like my morning exercise with her and copy her. And like, um, yeah. So I really like this show that I'm doing like every week that I gave myself for an Easter gift last year because I just needed to have that like level of focus on something that I love to do, like studying the gospel, but to do it in a really fun way, right? Like it doesn't even feel like I'm studying the gospel because it's just really entertaining and really fun because I love his songs and I love his pictures and I just think it's the best. It's like fantastic. It's like my most favorite way to do scripture study, if you could even call it that. Um, like any day of the year, any day, any minute. So I love that. And like, I'm just, I'm just really grateful to just have opportunities, right? Opportunities space. Like I don't have like any looming things in my life to say, Oh, Hey, like you are limited in your life experience because of this illness or whatever situation, right? Like I just feel so grateful, like literally blue sky days. And we can enjoy the fullness of a blue sky day. Like sometimes I read these crazy stories of people that are living in war and, you know, they get trapped in these encampments and like, and they, there's just so many wicked people around them, like making their lives terrible. And then I look at my own life and I look out the window. I'm like, how do I get to be so blessed? Like I get so humbled in feeling the depths of like the opportunities that I have to do so much good because I am so blessed with a life where I don't have to be burdened by enslavement. I don't have to be burdened by like injustice and like like all of those things that are just not, not okay, you know, like that have happened in the history of the world. And I just feel like, oh my goodness, like how did my ancestors bless me with this, right? Whether it's my ancestors or my grandparents or my parents, like, you know, every so often, no, not every so often, I was such a complainer. I was such a whiner and complainer throughout my whole life. And hopefully in moving forward, I can just be even more giving and generous in the way that I talk about my past, right? Because like, honestly, honestly, like if I were to just go straight there, yes, of course. Everybody that's ever lived before me, that's been attached to me in my family tree, they have literally created a, a background, a backdrop, a, you know, made decisions for me, you know, maybe even before I was born, maybe like while I was still a baby, when I couldn't do that for myself. And they made good choices, right? Like my parents chose to move to a place where they could find a good school, right? For their kids to go to that was close enough and that they could be close by and like they didn't have to have their kids like go to a really far location somewhere else to go to school. Like they were literally in the same neighborhood. Like they made those choices before I came. Like I, it took them nine years before they even had me, you know? So they took all this time to like prepare for being able to receive me into their lives, right? Like 
that's a lot of preparation, right? Like, and I just like, I honor that now, right? Like, I'm like, thank you. Like, thank you for being like so thoughtful and wanting to like, you know, set your life in a certain level of order so that you can be prepared to like take on that responsibility when, when it was there, right? Like, that's great. And then like, you know, and then when they had me, like, you know, like they make very specific decisions for my mom to be at home a lot of the time, right? And then like when they made specific decisions for my mom to not be at home, she would be doing dishwashing stuff or sewing stuff. And then like, and then they would try a lot to make sure that she could be home when, when us kids were at home, right? And like, and then, you know, and then they, they would take us grocery shopping with them. And you know, like, and then like, even like, you know, on my fourth birthday, my dad would take me to all the playgrounds that he knew about. And that was like the best birthday of my life. Like I just thought it was the best, even though I biffed myself on the slide. Cause like I went on the slide and it was like the highest slide ever. It was like as tall as me. Like when you get to the end and I just fell off and biffed myself and I was like, oh, like that's the worst ever. It's like I go on the slide and I love it. Cause it's my favorite thing. And then lo and behold, it's like the, the slide of death at the end of it. And I'm like, who, who does that? Like who just like, Build a slide that doesn't work for like little people, like the littlest people that would be using the slide. Like, like, like that slide was probably made for like teenagers or something. But like, come on, like you just gotta make your slides work. Anyways, I said I wasn't gonna be complaining so much, so maybe let's not call that a complaint. Maybe let's call that a a charming um, a charming um, c comment on somebody else's creative idea of what they thought was going to work out for the child that went on it that biffed themselves like because they were so excited to make a child terrorizing playground like <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so not good at this no complaining thing i think i should just call this podcast like the poop cast because all i have to share is all the poop stories of like every like everything that I'm so mad about and everything that I just like, I'm like not impressed about, but I am impressed that my dad took me there and I'm impressed that my mom, literally she made me all of my dresses and she made me all of my Halloween costumes and she would literally make me every meal, every meal and every, like almost every snack, right? Like, or they always had it available and like they'd make me like, you know, like, else like they she always did my laundry right like it was just like and it was always there like it was not not even a question of those kinds of things like there was just never that like lack there it was just always there and I took it for granted I just did you know I just kind of thought oh like well I'd be rather be going to Disneyland like how come my parents have never taken me to Disneyland they must not be legit parents because they don't know how to take me to Disneyland every day of the year and I was like come on like now that I'm like I don't know however many years that I haven't been living there like 12 years I just like kind of want to go back and shake my little like bratty self and be like get over yourself like just enjoy them because you're not going to get to live with them anymore you know like you only have like I don't know 10 more years to live with them and you're never going to see them again like like you're going to have your whole your own family to do things for and help and like you're just not gonna have the time that you would like to have to actually spend time with them because you're gonna be busy right like you're gonna have your own family that needs you like and you can't just go and like pick up and go see them anytime you want to right 
And so it's like, I'm thankful that Heavenly Father at least gave me a hint to that, you know, when I was going to leave. And then he's like, hey, how about just stay one more year? You know, stay one more year and just spend as much time as you possibly can to just be with them and like, you know, be with them, right? Like be their daughter kind of thing. I was like, okay, okay, I can do this, right? Like I can do this because he said I can, right? Like that's all I had going for me about that. And when I did though, it was just honestly the best experience I could have ever asked for, you know? I improved my Cantonese that year because I was like taught to, to learn how to make like family home evening type lessons and like we learned how to sing in Cantonese. Like I got to learn how to pray in Cantonese. I got to like, I got to hear like my dad tell me that he didn't want me to go to Haiti because I was gonna go to Haiti and go volunteer there. And he's like, no, I don't want you to go. I was like, why? He's like, because if you go, I'm gonna be worried that you're gonna be dead every single day that you're gone. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You can't do that. <laughs> so like, that was okay. I was like, okay, well, I won't go to Haiti, right? So I was like, okay. And then, you know, so then I switch up plans and be like, okay, well, I'll save my money and like, you know, I'll try to go volunteering or whatever. I didn't really pursue those, but I did feel like it was, it was good enough for me to just go to Edmonton, right? And like, not have to make them worry so bad, I guess, right? Because I think like, I don't know, my parents have been in other countries and I haven't. And I, I just wanted to glean off of their experience to be like, well, maybe they know something that I don't about like about what it actually feels like when there's civil unrest and when the government is unstable in other places, you know, to the point where there's civil wars and things. And that's a common thing in those countries. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm okay just like gleaning from their experience. And, and I was glad that he said that, right? Because growing up, it was just this constant general motion. Like anytime I asked him something, he was just so stubborn. He really wanted me to, to believe in myself just for, just for the sheer fact of believing myself. So I'd ask him about something and then he'd be like, well, what do you think? And I'd be like, no, I'm asking you what you think. He's like, no, what do you think? <laughs> I'd be like, come on, like just tell me what you think. And he'd never tell me his opinion about things. And he'd always just like bring it back to me so that I could like, find out what it was what was my thing about things like he never wanted me to feel like I was indoctrinated or that I was doing something because he wanted that and I was doing it to please him kind of thing like there was never that feeling like I go to school and I talk to all my other friends with like crazy Chinese parents and my parents actually never adopted the crazy immigrant Chinese parent thing because the common thread among all my other friends was their parents came and like they immigrated to this land and then they would put all this like weird pressure on their kids for them to perform. And it was like they told their kids they were only ever allowed to become a doctor or a dentist or like a lawyer or like, you know, whatever other highest paying like employment job there was. And that's what their life life sentence was basically. They, and they, they said, if you're going to be our child, you need to have this career or this career or this career. And that's what it means to be a child in our family. And, the, and they were so strict and they were always harping on their kids to study. And like they would never let their kids do anything else but study. It's like my, kid, my friends would come and they'd be like, oh yeah, I can't do that. But if I tell my mom that I'm going to the library, that's from this bag, um, then I can come, right? And I'd be like, what? You have to tell your parents you're going to the library? Like, so that you can come to this party? <laughs> like, it's not like a bad party 
or anything. We're just gonna go and like, I don't know, like go, it's my birthday, right? Like, and she's like, I'm like, that's rough, right? Like that she couldn't have such a, a strong enough relationship of like clarity with her parents where she like, they, she was only ever allowed to go anywhere if it was the library, right? And if her parents knew she was studying, like there was no, it was, like friends weren't allowed, like studying, like, anything else wasn't allowed, just studying to get to that career. Like, I am just, I am just amazed that you're still alive, right? Like, living under that level of pressure. And I'd just be so impressed with these, like, young people that were my friends that I'd be like, oh, goodness. Like, if I knew how to pray for people then, I would have been praying for them and being like, oh, goodness. Please bless them so that they don't, like, snap under that kind of pressure. And thank you so that my parents aren't like talked into this funny parent dogma that seems like so many other Chinese immigrant parents have where they're just like oh hey like let's just like live the life we lived and now like it's our job to make sure that our kids are suddenly becoming these like superhuman prodigy people um because it will look good on our like that will that will show how to be like honoring us right and I'm just so glad that my parents never did that they were just totally relaxed about everything, right? I'm pretty sure they were pretty type two. I'm pretty sure it was like a type two marrying a type two. And so they were just like, yeah, like you don't have to do any chores. Like you don't have to study anything. Like you just live your life and like be happy, right? And I was like, what, really? Like, no, like, because seriously, if I just live my life and be happy, I am just gonna live the rest of my life sitting in front of the TV eating Cheetos, like I cannot live that life, right? Like thankfully I didn't get, like if, if they were type twos, it was probably great that I wasn't type two. So I didn't just submit to that and be like, great. Mom and dad just said I could just sit here and eat as many Cheetos as I want. And I don't care how big and fat I get cause I'm, I'm happy, right? Like I'm so glad that I wasn't a type two living under that level of ease and comfort. You know, because I literally would have just died in like 10 years from then from all of the sugar and all of the fat that I was eating. You know, I remember eating so much one time, like I ate like two bags, right? Like they were the size of me, like of these Cheetos. And then suddenly I was like, oh, I need to throw up. And I threw up and it was black. It was black sludge. Like it looked like, like it was terrible. It was like the level of black that I saw on my baby's like, um, meconium, whatever they call it, like baby black newborn sludge that comes out of them when they're newborn. Yeah, that's what was coming out of me. I was like, uh, this is amazing. Cause I never knew anything inside of me was black. And two, I am never gonna do this again, right? Like I am just, I'm okay learning my own lesson. I don't need my parents to tell me to not do that. I'm not going to do that, right? Like I don't need to see black coming out of my body anymore, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure a healthy, happy, healthy body does not have that coming out of its mouth. Like, thank you very much. I don't need someone else to tell me that. I can, I can do that for myself. So then, like, you know, gradually over time, thankfully I was able to learn little by little, right? Like, thankfully, actually, I feel like I have all these angels around me just guiding me to the next right step. Because literally, some of my favorite people in my life through my childhood that were like some of my best friend people, they all really liked eating vegetables. 
they were all like, oh, let's go grab some carrots. Let's go get an apple. Or like, let's go like have some veggies and dip. Or let's go have some granola. Or let's go like, you know, like let's have these meals. And like, they would always be like, you know, spaghetti squash or like sprouts or whatever. And I'd look at these people and be like, how? One, you guys are so fun. And two, how are you eating all those things? Like, and then three, it was like, oh, these are really tasty. I've never had these before. And then so that was what was associated with me, fun, and friends meant like healthy, healthy food as well. So it was like Heavenly Father knew I would be in those that happy, cozy parenting situation where my parents were just like, eat, live, and be merry. Just do it. It's your fine. You know? So he buffered me with like other people in my life that would help balance it out with like, you know, their, their ways of doing life that really benefited me, right? Like for the rest of my life in some of those ways. And it's not like they were like completely all junk food style, right? Like seriously, my mom would always be cooking up a storm in the kitchen of all the vegetables that you could ever imagine. And, sh and then she'd always make this black medicine stuff that just smelled like stinky feet every time. And I was like, please no, like, please no, that's not for my mouth. And that, but like, you know, she was so persistent. It's like every time I left the bathroom, do you want a sip? Or like every time I came home, another sip? You know, like and she, I'd be like, where are you coming from? And then, so then I'd be like, fine. And then she'd put it in my mouth and I'd swallow it quickly and I'd be like, whatever. I'm not even going to ask what was in that. And so it's like, okay. You know, like they were doing their best with everything they knew. They just were, right? Like, you know, my mom was cooking up a storm with all her herbs and stuff she had in her kitchen and she was always just like super full yet very healthy in all of her cooking like everything started with vegetables and she always made vegetables taste amazing like and she, you know we had meat dishes and stuff but like I always felt sad when I like you know didn't have enough vegetables on my bowl to, to like add that juicy texture and crunch that I was always like so looking forward to whenever I was eating something and so, like, I grew up, like, loving broccoli and loving spinach and loving, like, chives and, like, loving, like, taro root and lotus and, like, and, like, carrots and onions and, like, you know, I never knew anything different. I was like, why would you not like these things? These are just, like, so flavorful and so good. So then, like, you know, moving out, I was so glad to be like, oh, well, I'm going to get a bunch of broccoli like I'm gonna start so like because it turned out over the years that then I started going to church and stuff and the quickest way for me to make a breakfast was to cook up some frozen veggies or to cook up some some um boiled broccoli and that's what I would bring in my bowl everyone would have like cereal bowls finishing their breakfast I come in with my like broccoli bowl and like my veggies like boiled veggies I'd just be chomping it down be like this is the best breakfast ever and everyone would be looking at me like are you serious like are you a real person like like this is one friend that I had and she was just so funny she was the friend that was like when I'm in heaven I'm gonna marry Captain Moroni because there's nobody here that I want to marry I was like yeah that's a good plan but she was just super bold and funny like that. And then she'd look at me and be, and be like, you look like a freak. And I was like, thank you. Like, I guess so, but it's good. Like, you have no idea what you're missing here. Like, this is so much better than anything else. And I'm just so glad. I'm just so glad for, like, my upbringing, right? Like, I'm glad for who I am, my upbringing, and, like, you know, like, 
all the other areas that were balanced out in my life, like that obviously my parents couldn't offer me those things, you know, and, and, but obviously happily so, right? Like we're meant to live in these places where we can, we can work off of one another, right? Like we can, we don't have to be the sole person that is the be all end all for another person's ability to succeed in this life. Like we all work together, like literally a baby or whatever that quote is, right? And I'm like, dude, yes, I know that. Because that's what it took for me, right? Like, like for sure, like for sure, I wasn't meant to just like stay in my parents' house all day long every single day. You know, thankfully by the time I was 12, I felt confident enough to be like, oh, I'll just go take the bus and like go and do things and go walk in these places. And like, and I also had a good sixth sense too. I knew when I was being followed. You know, I knew when it was a good road or bad road to go on. You know, I knew which places to go so that I could feel safe, right? I knew when to talk to strangers and when to not talk to strangers. And I just had these abilities, right? Because, like, I was raised on transit and, like, you know, walking past homeless people, like, ever since I was four, right? Like, so it was like there was nothing really new to me. And I I probably walked with that kind of a step as well. So it's like no one bothered me. And then shortly after, between the ages of like 13 to 16, I was like the rugby all-star. And I was like the wrestling queen of the province. So it's like I knew that I could just beat up anybody if they like tried anything, right? Like I, I just knew I could take them down. Like if anybody tried, I was like, sweet. Like, let's do this, right? Like I was just like ready. But like, you know, I just feel so blessed. Cause it's like, Dude, like, I'm just so glad. I'm just so glad for the life that I've been able to live for the last 31 years. I'm glad for, you know, 31 more years, 32 more years, whatever. And I'm just so glad because it's all been great. It just has been. Like, you know, there's been the ups and downs and, like, hard times, good times, all of it, right? But it's been a very interesting life as well. Like, I love the life that I've been able to live. You know, I've been able to live a life where it's like I've gotten the opportunity to develop compassion for people with mental illness. I've, I've had the opportunity to see what it's like when somebody else chooses to minister in a little person's life and, and literally take them by the hand and teach them how to do multiplication, teach them how to do long division, teach them how to write a book report, Te- like encourage them with every single word and encourage them and give them reading assignments and things like that. And just like give them that level of I believe in you and I know you can do it if you exert yourself, that kind of feel like because somebody else did it for me, right? And, and it was a wonderful feeling to be wrapped up in someone else's arms to have them lead you and guide you to a level of education that you want to get to, right? So that you can feel that level of like, that level of certainty in yourself and that level of confidence that you want to believe in yourself in the same way they believe in you. You know, like throughout my life, I've been able to like, not just do that with education, but do that with serving in the community. Like it wasn't until that person that was like teaching me all these things said, hey, what about if you volunteered with this? 
And so she just started me with this one volunteer group. And then I just got addicted and I started volunteering for like 10 to 20 different volunteer groups. Like, and so like I never had any moment of boredom for like the next however many years of my life because I spent like the first 12 years of my life being completely bored in my, my mind most of the time to like then between 18, 12 to 18, like I was filling up my resume with like something to do like every day and I just write it down and be like, I did this on this day with this organization and, and I just felt really good about it. You know, like it, was, it felt so good to be like, oh, I'm doing something. Not just because it's fun now, but also because it's gonna help me for that person 10 years from now that's gonna rely on this piece of paper to be able to get to where I wanna go with like whatever job or whatever like education path I wanna take or whatever, or even maybe just for my own personal family history, personal history stuff, right? Who knows? Um, and like that's just kinda like how I lived. And then, then I get to learn how to like become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which was like pivotal, like amazing pivotal. And that was amazing, you know, to learn how to actually care about people, to be forgiving, to actually be genuinely kind because you want to be, you know, not because someone's telling you you should, otherwise you'll get the eye or like, you know, like, a, like, or like you should, otherwise it'll wreck your image. It wasn't any of that. It was like, no, I do this because I love Heavenly Father and I believe in him and I want to love him. And so I'm going to do it because this is how he's told me he wants to to receive love from me, for me to act in, in love towards his children, right? What was funny? Maybe taking like tons of cashews. Oh. Does she have the whole bag? No, I did. I just give her some. She just chews the whole baby. So anyways, there I was becoming a member of the church and I'm like, oh, sweet. This is so much fun, right? Like, cause, cause I spent my whole life kind of searching and stuff, doing these volunteer things. And then I find this group and I'm like, sweet. I could literally volunteer for this group for the my whole rest of my life for all eternity and I was so glad, right? So I was like, yes, yes, yes. So I have. It's been like uh like 10, 15, 16, almost uh 15, 16, 17, almost 17 years volunteering with this one group. And I'm just happy. Like I'm just so happy and delighted that I have done 17 years and I still have 17 more years, maybe like an eternity's worth of years, right? Like I love when I find really good groups of people that I love serving with, right? Like I remember finding it with the Calgary Food Bank. I loved helping with them. I love finding it with like like the Immigrants Women's Association um, where I live and just like, it was just so fun, right? And so it's been so neat to just embrace Whoa. This kind of a life that's just so focused. Yeah, it did. Um, this, yeah, this is so focused on, on like the altruistic mentality, you know, where it's like you cannot serve to the level of your dreams, but that's the beauty of it. It's like you need to rely on Christ in order to make those big, big service dreams happen. And it's like he honors those dreams and he helps you shoot for it. And I love it. I love it, love it, love it. So one of my big dreams right now is like that I can learn three dialects in Chinese, you know, Mandarin, Cantonese really well, and Toisanese, I think it is. Basically, it's like the village language for Hawaii and Fengale, um, in like southern China in the Guangdong area. And, and like, and Linzhao, you know, and, and like, I just want to be able to do that, right? Like, I just want to do it. 
I want to somehow become some kind of like missionary in China, like whether in Hong Kong, Shanghai, or like, you know, maybe even one day in my village area, right? And I just want to like start day camps and I want to start like these like businesses, right? To employ all the people that need work and money and those kinds of things. And just like eradicate poverty and just make it so everybody can become self-reliant and like and own their own business and be really learned and educated and just like and just really knock it out of the park right like those are some of my big things and then on the side of course not on the side but you know all, it's always there you know help make it so that like china can open up their hearts to get a temple right like i have a temple built in china like not just in hong kong not just in shanghai but like maybe in guangzhou right that's where my china roots is they have their their china location in guangzhou and i'm like sweet let's do a temple there right like if there's room let's let's do a temple right there or like a temple right by linzhou or um hoi Pun or like hoi, hoi i don't know hoi ping yeah like and like Haoboy and like thing like linzhou who knows who knows that would be amazing right I think that would just be beyond. But literally, oh, I just love how they actually got a temple in Hong Kong. Like, great. Wow. Like, amazing. I love that. And then one in Shanghai. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Love it. Um, well, yeah. Anyways, I'm super happy. I got to do all my dishes. That was awesome. And that's where I'm at right now. <laughs>